the book of Revelation. Now, as you look in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis is a clear beginning. (laughs) In the beginning. When you look at the last verse of the Bible in Revelation, it's an ending. It's not like, wow, it seems like there should be something more. It seems like there wasn't really a conclusion. You know, would you like to read a whodunit mystery novel and then somebody ripped out the last chapter? Was it the butler? Was it the, you know, it would be sort of crazy. And you got to remember from God's point of view, it's not like he's looking in the future going, ah, you know, I haven't been around for millions of years or billions of years or, well, eternity, but I'll give it my best shot. I think this is what you guys can, most likely this is what, it's, he sees the future and the past and the present equally. Not one is clearer than the other. And, and the fact is, he knows that we have to have a clear pattern of where we're heading. When the pilot takes off from San Diego to go to Hawaii, he has his instruments set exact. And if they're off a tiny little bit, every mile he travels, he could miss that little island by thousands of miles. And this is why God has given us prophecy through the scripture. So we are taking off here, but we can see where we're going. And it helps us make decisions along the way. Since this will be happening in the last days, and these are the signs of the last days, and we are now in the last days, therefore, I know what's going to be happening. And it warns us and protects us, but it also directs us. That's why in Revelation 22, he says, if you take away one word of this prophecy, you will be judged to damnation and all of the damnation and plagues that are written in this book will fall upon you. Why? Because if you change it, you've changed the instruments, you're going to be heading off course, maybe just a little bit from here. It doesn't look different from everybody else next to you. But in a few years, you're going to be farther and farther off. And this is why we have to have the correct interpretation of the scriptures now. And so before we head on, I just want to point out a few things. That people have these things in their mind and are just sort of overwhelmed. They sort of shut down. Book of Revelation, can't do it. Sort of like a final exam or the SAT. You know, can't do it. Well, number one... The book of Revelation is easy to find. It's the last book of the Bible. So, you know, you're not trying to find Isaiah or something. So that's sort of a night. Genesis is pretty easy to find. And, and Revelation is easy to find. So you can find that, even if you're a new Christian. It's the only book of prophecy in the New Testament. There's 17 of them in the Old Testament. Just one in the New Testament. It's the only book in the Bible that says, read me and I will bless you. And maybe you've discovered in your math book or your history book in school, you flip to the back and the answers to the questions, you know, where they have the, here's 10 questions, you're trying to figure it out, look and find the answer and you just flip to the back. There it was, question one, the answer for you. That's the book of Revelation, guys. Un- understand, 70 percent of the book of Revelation is quoting the Old Testament. 
Okay? So most of the book of Revelation is not new information. It's the information of the Old Testament now in the fulfilled context. And so you're saying, well, there's this sign and there's this symbol and there's this you know, thing with this animal's head and these horns and these tin horns and these, what? oh, this is so overwhelming. No, 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 no. That was talked about in the Old Testament. Here it was in the book of Daniel. Here's what it is. It tells you what it is. It tells you uh, what the meaning of it is. So now we already know that. So if you would, if you know the 65 books in front of this book, 66 books in the Bible, then you will know the book of Revelation. If you've studied the Bible, you already know 70% of Revelation. And so it's not a matter of trying to, well, there's 10 horns, and how am I going to figure out 10? You've, we've already said it. Let's go back and look at it. Here's what it meant. Now we put it in context here with more information building upon what we've already studied in the Old Testament. And so, again, it's not overwhelming, but it is, if you would, sort of a test. Did you really study the rest of the Bible? <laughs> And if you didn't, then the book of Revelation is going to be a little tough because you're going to have to learn a lot of the Old Testament you didn't know and then understand it. And we're going to do that. So there's no no fear there. But there are people that are afraid of the book of Revelation. Number one, I think they're afraid because they're afraid they won't understand it. They're just going to read it and go, oh, this is crazy. Everybody is telling me I'm crazy to be a Christian, and the Bible's full of crazy stuff. And, you know, I've stayed away because I've just been reading Jesus, you know, teachings, and it didn't seem crazy. But now I'm reading the book of Revelation. No, nah, it is crazy. That's what I was afraid of. No. There are 500 references of the Old Testament. There are 278 references out of 404 verses. So the book of Revelation has 404 verses and 278 of those verses are referenced in the Old Testament. Psalms, Daniel, Zechariah, Genesis, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Joel, and we're going to discover it. What's another reason people are afraid of Revelation? It's controversial. It's going to church have a church split. People are going to be fist fighting out in the parking lot. Because they're going to say, that's a helicopter. No, it's not. It's a giant cockroach. And, you know, they're going to be duking it out. Understand, there's four basic ways people look at the book of Revelation. The first way that is sort of popularized today by the intellects, there's a certain group of people that are, are, they see Christianity as a very much an academic exercise. And so they're the ones printing out books, Most of the printing presses that are out there are printing out these books. And it's a position called the preterist view. The word preter means past. And they say that the book of Revelation was fulfilled primarily during John's time in 70 AD. And so all the imagery, all the symbols, all those things are simply describing the persecution of Christians, the destruction of Jerusalem, And you read the book of Revelation, it's already done. It's just a very symbolic, poetic, metaphorical way to explain what the Christians are going through at that time to comfort them in their persecution. So it's really almost an irrelevant book to how it would be used today. John, I hope you guys in the first century enjoyed the book of Revelation because it's just a blank for us now. The second view is often called the historical view. 
And it's basically saying the book of Revelation is sort of a, a way of explaining church history past now. So we look back and you can say, oh, there's Martin Luther. Oh, there's the Wesleyan. Oh, there's the you know, 19th, 20th century church. And, and this is how they look at it. And some of it is the church of today. But it's still sort of a past thing. And then the third view is the poetic or allegorical or spiritual view. And it's sort of like you just read it and whatever it feels to you, that's what it means. <laughs> There's people that do it the whole Bible. And that's a scary way. I won't even go into that. But, you know, the line of the tribe of Judah, oh, this is what it means to me, you know. Uh, that's a scary way. And then there's a fourth way, which I like to call the correct way, which is also happens in my view, and hopefully yours. Some call it the futuristic view or the literal view. And it's simply a thousand-year millennial reign. Guess what that means? A thousand-year millennial reign. <laughs> 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each tribe, Let's figure this out. What's that mean? Well, how can you come up with 144,000 Jews, 12,000? We don't know the tribes today. Well, in the last days, they're going to figure that out. That's something we can keep an eye on. It's right. The, tri- the Israel tribes, they don't know what tribe they're from. But that's something that's going to come. And guess what they're doing with DNA right now? <laughs> it's, it's happening. It's already happened, really, but that's another issue. And so as we look at Revelation, we're going to see chapter 6 to chapter 22 is after the rapture of the church. And this is what we're uh, going to be looking at, the, 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 the church, the rapture, and then after that. Now, there are things that are hard to explain. These are future things. And you're talking to people 2,000 years ago. You're talking heavenly things. And we're earthly. We're limited. And so throughout the Bible... You have God trying to explain things that are unexplainable to us. Remember Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, I went into heaven and I can't tell you what I saw because any human words would be blasphemous to try to describe God, heaven, the beauty. You know, there just, there isn't a language. It would be corrupt if I use our language to describe those heavenly things. So this is what we're dealing with. So John though, he says, the Lord told me to tell you all that I saw. So I got to tell you. So it's like this. It's like a glassy sea. It wasn't sea. It wasn't glass. It was glassy. It's as good as I can do, guys. That's what it's like. And so the word like is used 22 times in Revelation. The word as 65 times. But we do that today. You look at your newspaper. It'll say the sun rises at such and such a time. Does the sun rise of course it doesn't. Everybody knows the universe is on a system that revolves around my wife. And it works out great. Then. <laughs> it does. At least mine does. And wonderfully so. And, and so there's also the, the metaphors. You know, um, you are like the salt of the earth. Or like a city set on a hill. And then there's hyperboles. Because when you look at signs and metaphors, you can actually describe things better without doing it literally. And the devil was evil. Well, you know, that's plain. But you describe wickedness in some imagery way, it actually makes it clear. And so 
you know, Jesus said, you stumble a brand new little Christian, it'd be better if you put a, light, a big millstone around your neck and threw yourself in the ocean. Oh, I got to go drown myself. Is that what Jesus, you know, if you're going to lust in your heart, it'd be better to pluck your eye out. Is that what he wanted you to really do? No, but he does a hyperbole and the obvious exaggeration actually expresses something that literal words can't express. And so by literature using different modes of communication doesn't minimize the literature, although it takes more work to explain what it means, it actually personifies it and and, and makes it a much greater impact. And so with the literal view, there's a great quote. God said what he meant, and he meant what he said. And we, like, you use the newspaper. You look at, you know, the obituaries, you're going to read that one way. You read the sports section, you're going to read it another way. You read the cartoon section, you're going to read it a different way. And we're glad all those different types are there. In the same way, when you're looking at the Psalms versus the book of Matthew, there's different literature for that very reason. But within the book of Revelation are various types of literature. And all we have to do is say, here's a metaphor, here's a symbol, here's a symbol, here's a hyperbole, and it, it makes perfect sense. And here's another great quote. If the plain sense makes the best sense, seek no other sense, lest you come up with nonsense. <laughs> Well, what's another reason people are afraid of the book of Revelation? Because it speaks of judgment. And yes, it does. But you know, it says in John 16, the Holy Spirit speaking to every human being on the earth every day of sin and the judgment that God's going to come upon sin one day, of righteousness and that we're not right with God without him. And there's a judgment to come. And you need to quickly respond. Because the moment you breathe your last breath, there is no second chance. And we know life is that way, isn't it? Life is real. Shakespeare said something like this. Life seems sometimes like a play. But yet it's real blood that's built upon the stage. You know, the little three-year-old playing down in sunset cliffs, you know, looking at the sunset and slips off the edge and falls down there and breaks his neck. It's like, oh, it was all fun and games, you know, but gravity's gravity, it's real. And here we are saying, you know, I can say and do and act and live any way I want and, you know, it it all works. But the moment we breathe our last, we're going to be absent of the body, we're going to be present of the Lord and the Bible says it's appointed all of us to die and then comes judgment. That every man is going to stand before God and give an account what he's done in his body, good and bad, Christian and non-Christian. We're going to give an account. And so for us, though, who are believers, and if you're not a believer here tonight, you can become one. You can leave here tonight, and the wrath of God is no longer upon you. Judgment is no longer a fear for you. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, he says, God did not appoint us to wrath but to abstain salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. And again in Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. All you have to do is just say, Jesus, I come to believe in you and your death and resurrection and submit yourself to him. And that's why you're here. 
you're not a believer here tonight because you're not in harmony with yourself. You're not in harmony with man. You're probably wrestling right now in a broken relationship or two or three or four. Maybe your health, maybe vices, addictions, things are, are, are falling apart. Maybe you have a lot of money and that's crushing you or you have no money and that's crushing you. You have nothing to do or too much to do. It doesn't seem to matter. It's, it's all a curse to you because you're not living under the strength and the power and the will of God. And that's why God's brought you here today to take all your sin off, off your own shoulders and to realize he put it upon himself 2,000 years ago upon the cross and paid for the penalty of your sin and to have him come into your life and be the Lord of your life. And you also can leave here, oh, there's no condemnation anymore. I'm in Christ. All the judgment, all the condemnation fell upon him. He cried out and said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? He who knew no sin became sin for us, you, that we might become the righteousness of Christ. He wants to clothe you with his righteousness. Write your name in the book of life that you can write now, if you were to die this night, you would go immediately in the arms of your Savior, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb of God. Why are people afraid of the book of Revelation? Because it talks of the end. Things are going to come to an end, guys. Just the second law of thermodynamics, right? Einstein pointed out, everything's winding down. Usable energy is being used up. Go put some gas in your car and you'll find that out. And you can't go get it out of the air and put it back in your tank. Haven't figured that one out yet. Things are winding down, and one day things are going to come to an end, but not from winding down because of the wickedness of man, and God's going to say, enough's enough, and he's going to end this. I hate goodbyes. I, I am just an idiot at the airport, you know, and just make a fool of myself. I hate goodbyes. But remember, everything melts with a fervent heat, and everything is gone, but then there's a new heavens and a new earth and a new Jerusalem and no Satan. No sin, no sorrow, no pain, no taxation without representation. But that's a whole other issue. But uh. <laughs> well, what are some things we hope to answer? I, I think you know. I've seen people go by and have some people tell, looking at the banner out here, and what things coming to. And maybe some of you are here tonight because you're like, I'd like to know what things are coming to. Well, here's some things I think we're going to answer that I think people want to know the answer to. Like number one, what is the rapture of the church? Number two, what is the great tribulation period? Number three, who will be saved during the tribulation? Can anybody be saved during the tribulation? Number four, who is the Antichrist? That's 1995. You can go online and I'll give you the answer. 1995. (laughs) Number five. Who does Jesus, or when does Jesus return in the light of biblical prophecy? So these are the things we're going to find the answer to as we are studying through the book of Revelation. Well, chapter 1, verse 1. Glad you got your Bibles now. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servant things which must shortly take place, And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. The the word here, revelation, singular, 
It's not revelations of all the plagues and the bulls and the wrath and Satan. And it's one revelation. The revealing, the unveiling. You know, you, you, you go and some guy has a new work of art and there's a big giant white sheet on it and everybody's in their tuxedos and eating caviar and, and then finally, you know, everybody stands around and he takes the string and, and the white sheet comes down and there's the work of art and everybody cheers. This is the revelation, the melling of Jesus. That's it, guys. God so loved the world, he sent a board of trustees from heaven. God so loved the world, he sent what? His son, his only begotten son. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. It's Jesus, guys. Singular, not an angel, not a created being. It is God who came into human flesh to be man, that he could be our substitute. But yet if he could have ripped open his flesh and showed you his spirit, it wasn't created in 1960 like my spirit. You would have been vaporized because you would have been looking upon the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the infinite, eternal God, and no man can look upon God and live. Isn't that impossible? To get the infinite God inside human flesh? It's not if you're all powerful. (laughs) Which is impossible with man, it's possible with God. But the infinite God was clothed in human flesh that he could be our substitute. He would come with all the frailties and the weaknesses and tempted in all points. We are tempted that he could now be the great and faithful high priest for us to be our servant forever. And now Jesus is here to reveal, and guys, the answer is Jesus. The salvation's in Jesus. One day, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that, what? Jesus is Christ the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Lucifer looked upon Jesus, and he said, I should be lifted up. I should be as the most high God. He does not want to respect the son. He does not want to give glory to the son. All the cults today want to minimize Jesus. Jesus in the Jehovah Witnesses is a God with a little G, an angel. With the Mormons, he is a God who is a man on another planet. Yeah, you know, I'm an angel. He's an angel. He's, I'm a created being. He's a created being. And what did the father say? In John 5, all judgment has been given unto the Son that they would honor the Son equal to the Father. We have one God, but yet he is in three persons, the Father, the first person of the Trinity, the Son, the second person of the Trinity, not in substance, not in quality, not in character, only in authority. He submitted to the Father. And the third person of the Trinity is the Spirit. The Spirit is to take of Jesus and declare it to us. And the Father says that all things have been given unto the Son. Jesus says, all that the Father's is mine, and all that is mine I declare to you. And what we need in the last days more than anything is a clear revelation of Jesus, to waken in the morning and see Jesus, to look upon him and walk and talk and fellowship with him, not some God, deity, blob, cloud, you know, doorknob, higher power, some vague thing. No. 
We need to get our eyes upon Jesus. And as Peter said, although we don't see him, yet we love him. Although we don't hear him audibly, yet we hear him with our spirit. And his spirit lives in us. And his spirit is bearing with us our spirit that we're children of God. In Romans 8, it says, God's spirit will live within you. And it'll cry out, Abba, Father, and testify that we are children of God because he lives in us. Satan's going to do anything and everything he can in these last days to muddy the waters to get you to see organization, to get you to see church, to get you to see religion, to get you to see philosophies, to get you to say all the moral standards that God is in his purity are a prudish and, and juvenile and hindering and quenching. No. God is pure. <laughs> That's his nature. He's been made in his image. If we walk in purity, we'll be free. Somebody called in a radio show and said, so if Jesus right now appeared and said, homosexuality is in a sin. Would it not be a sin? God didn't make a bunch of rules. He, he simply told us what's true because he loves us. If I'm barbecuing in a big barbecuer and my three-year-old kid's cruising around and touches that big black barbecuer and singes his hand, Dad, I hate you for burning me. How did I burn you? Because the barbecue is hot and you made it hot. And No, the barbecue is hot because it's hot. I was a bad dad by not telling you it was hot. I should have said, stay away from the barbecue because it's hot. I didn't make it hot by saying it's hot. I'm simply a good dad if I say, stay away from the barbecue because it's hot. In the same way, if God says, this is impure. It didn't become impure because he said it's impure. It's always been impure. But he said it's impure because he wants to protect you. So, you know, sex is inside marriage and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. Oh, that's prudish. If God didn't say that, then it wouldn't be true. No. If you, if you commit adultery and live in fornication, you're going to be in bondage whether God said anything about it or not. He also said, Don't, thou shalt not poke your brother in the eye. Well, try that and see how good your friendship continues. He doesn't have to say it. Things are right because they're right, and they're wrong because they're wrong, and they're pure because they're pure, and they're not. But we are coming to see Jesus, and as we walk with him and follow him and live with him and talk the way he talks and walks the way he walks and lives the way he lives, we will be free. But it's got to be clear. And in this day and age, we need to go to the scripture. We need the power of God's spirit to fall. And we hear Jesus speak to us. We hear him speak and the spirit tells us what Jesus is saying to us and to our hearts. And as we go through the book of Revelation, that we would walk away and say, I see him. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Where's my crown? I want to cast it before him and fall on my face with the rest of heaven and say, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. And we're there, guys. We're there. It's, we're going to be there in just a few minutes. We're going to be there. The last trump's going to blast in a twinkling of an eye, and we're all going to be there with him. We're just in the last sprint. <laughs> and so, guys, we need to see the tape up there. We need to... You know, I know we've been running for 20 miles, but let's go, guys. Get the, get the 
toxins shaken out of our body and take a big breath. We can make it. We're not going to stop. We see him. There he is. There he is on the other side of the line. Let's go. Let's see Jesus and love Jesus and, and fall in love with him in a deeper way. So this is revealed. It's not sealed. And this is what Satan wants you to say, think. This book is sealed. Nobody can understand it. In Revelation 22.10, it says this. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book. For what? The time is at hand. Guys, it is here. And so in John or Revelation 1 7, it says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see what? Him. Even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth shall mourn because of him. Even so, amen. So we once knew Jesus according to the flesh. We know him no longer. We are now ready to see him as he is and very soon in his coming. It's Jesus. So back in Revelation chapter one there, it tells us that this is a revelation of Jesus. Jesus 14 times, Christ we're gonna see 11 times. And um, he goes on to say there, he's declared this and it's coming shortly. These things must take place. And you say, well, it's been 2,000 years. That's not the word shortly here. The word shortly is once it starts happening, it's going to happen quickly. So here's all the things that are going to happen. And as soon as you start seeing some of these happen, Hang on, the roller coaster is getting ready to go down. So, you know what that means, right? So, once you get there, hang on. 1948, what happened? 2,000 years of people scattered to the four corners of the earth, did not speak their own Hebrew language, had no land, never in the history of man has it ever happened or even could happen. People for unknown reasons begin to gather from all different languages, even colors of skin, nationality, but yet they were all from the tribe, all from the the lineage of Abraham, began to gather back. (laughs) Originally, they were going to go to Africa, had some land there, but it ended up back in the actual land of Israel. And in 1948, Israel hasn't existed as people for 2,000 years. As the Bible said, he would bring them back in the last days. And now we are here today, an Israeli passport. Something that it wasn't around for two. I mean, you see a Moabite passport? (laughs) Radical. And now he says, when these things happen, they're going to happen quickly. And you know, as they start happening quickly, the Lord's return is near. Are you ready are you ready? That's, that's the key. And as we finish up here tonight, that's really the question that you need to ask yourself. In Luke 21, verse 34, it says this. Luke 21, verse 34. But take heed to what? Yourself. Guys, you can't take anybody with you. Lot tried to grab his wife. <laughs> She turned to a pillar of salt. He grabbed his daughters. They ended up getting him drunk and having sex with him and having his children and grandchildren with him. They were perverted by Sodom and Gomorrah. 
it says that Lot's righteous soul was vexed every day. You can't take anybody with you guys. Let go of your spouse. Let go of your kids. Let go of your friends. Though nobody else will follow, yet I will follow. As much as heaven's not going to be heaven without those I love, I understand it. Every person individually has to submit their life to Christ. You can't wish it. You can't do it. It's not the will of man. It's not the will of flesh. It's not of blood. It's of God. And at this point in time, you've got to let go. And you just get yourself out of Sodom and Gomorrah. If the kids or the wife or anybody else comes, they come. You've got to go. Less what happens. You're standing around trying to gather things, trying to get it at work. Lest your hearts be what? Weighed down. With what? Carousing. Drunkenness. And here's the one that I think most people are going to get left behind with. Just the cares of this life. <laughs> trying to give your kids the latest and the greatest and make sure they're a part of the best soccer team and, and their first baseman of the baseball team. And, you know, they got the shiniest new ten- basketball shoes for the basketball game. And, and that, you know, you're, you know, you got all 389 channels, not 387 channels. And, you know, and, just the cares of this life, trying to get it all going, trying to get it all, make it happen. I'm going to do this and do that. And, and all of a sudden, you're like this hamster running around in this cage, and you stop, and you're still in the cage. Run faster. And all of a sudden, this life just goes by, and you look in the mirror. One day, you're 10 years old. The next day, you're 100 years old. And, and life has passed you by, and you have not grown and deepened in the Lord. You haven't led people to Christ. You haven't discipled people in Christ. You haven't given of your time or of your finances to build what, the one thing Jesus is building and the one thing that's going to go to heaven, the church. <laughs> I will build the church. He's asked us. You are the church, the hands, the feet. If you're going to waste your life doing something, waste it. Discipling, leading to Christ, being a church, serving, washing feet, going to the mission field, supporting mission, supporting orphanages and taking care of wit- widows and, and their needs. And you know what? 50 years later, it's like, man, I taught Sunday school for 50 years and gave a lot of money to the orphanage. And, you know, every Sunday night, I could have been home watching TV. I was worshiping the Lord. And, man, I don't think you're going to regret it, guys. I don't think you're going to look back going, man, I spent three days a week reading the Bible and teaching the Bible and serving kids, and you're not going to regret it. Don't let the cares of this life keep you from fulfilling God's ministry in your life. And he says, the cares of this life come, and that day come upon you. How? Unexpectedly. In verse 35, for it will come upon us a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. The pilots raptured away, <laughs> and the plane's going down. The guy who knows how to run the water system, the electrical system, and, you know, the, the, the surgeon in the middle of his operation disappears. Um, it's going to be a snare on the whole earth. In verse 36, watch therefore, and what? Pray always. Guys, the watch is just getting together the congregation and praying, being together that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man, a giant smile on his face saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my kingdom. And in First John, or Revelation 1, verse 3, blessed is he who hear, reads, that's in the singular form, and those who hear is in the plural form, the words of this prophecy, and keeps them. It means to vigilantly comply to. 
even to defend those things. Don't be a hearer of the word, but a doer as well that are written in it. For the time is what? Near. As we go through this book, you're going to see, guys, the fact that the rapture hadn't already happened is a miracle. To the, day, to the Lord, a day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. Why? Because he doesn't want somebody to be left behind. The Lord admits, I already should have raptured. And yes, you're sensing that it should have already happened because it should have already happened. But I have delayed it on purpose. I know it's frustrating everybody, he says. But I just want one more, one more person to receive Christ. And then I'll rapture. And maybe that one more person is you here tonight. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you in your word right now. And we know that this is a time of not just inquisiting minds wanting to know, but it's you purifying your church. It's you taking the weeds out of our lives right here tonight that we are not snared. We're not left behind. And all these things come up unexpectedly upon us and we know, I know I wasn't ready. I know carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life are weighing me down and I wasn't putting Christ first. I wasn't seeking first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. He wasn't first in my day or my week or my marriage or my finances or my time or my devotion or my honoring. Everything else was my God. Everything else was more important. I wasn't honoring him. I'm not surprised that I've been left behind. And there's some here tonight who their hearts were pierced before they ever walked in here. And as the worship was going on, they sensed a spirit they've never sensed before. And Satan's working overtime. His claws are digging in deep right now, trying to make you angry and frustrated and confused because he doesn't want to let you go. He wants you to worship him. He wants to take you to the pit of hell with him. And this is a battle right now and you need to realize that you are fighting for your soul. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart but you've got to open that door. Satan's saying, I'm going to make you pay for it if you do. And he will. He's out to kill, still and destroy but hasn't he done it long enough? God has brought you here. Nobody, Jesus said, can come to me lest the Father draws him. And that's what you're sensing right now. God's Holy Spirit, that gentle dove, drawing you on to salvation unto the Son. Receive him now. And if that's in your heart, time is out tonight. We're done. I'd like to have time to have you come forward. The Bible says, proclaim me before men your, your repentance and you're coming to him and I'll proclaim you before the Father. And next week we'll give you that opportunity. But tonight, time's run out. I'm just gonna ask you as all heads are bowed, eyes closed, you raise your hand saying, that's me. I need to give my life to Christ. I need to re-surrender my life to Christ. I need to commit my life to Christ. I'm, I can't let the cares of this life take me away even one more day. I submit. Pray for me, Brian. Lift your hand right now. I don't be ashamed. Don't care what anybody else thinks. When you stand before God, <laughs> you're not gonna care what anybody else thinks. Yes, Lord, look at these. Wow. Some of you guys are just like shaking your arm in the air, like saying, it's me. There's a zeal. There's a zealousness. The lady, lady of the Lord says, be zealous and repent. And we see that here tonight. Thank you. So many hands up, Lord. Thank you. Touch these hearts, Lord. Finish this work. 
The Bible says, believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth. And I'm going to ask in your heart right now and, and in your mouth just to cry out and just say, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me that I have lived my own way and my own will and my own desires and my own selfishness, putting me first and my flesh and my wants. And I realize it's not about me. I'm to live for you and your will. You made me for your desire and I'll never be right with myself or man and definitely not with you for eternity until I submit to your plan for my life. Thank you for taking my sin away on the cross. I receive that. It's already been done. Just receive it as a gift. It's not of works, just a gift. Humbly receive it. It's, it's hard. That another was beaten and crucified and died for you, but receive it. And now submit yourself from this day forward. I'm going to read and I'm going to hear and I'm going to keep, obey all that you tell me. Never perfectly, but I'm going to follow you obediently and submit it every day as I can. Give me a hunger for your word. And tomorrow morning, I encourage you to grab the Bible and just start in the book of Matthew and start reading it. Say, Lord, speak to me. Holy Spirit, let the words of Jesus go to my heart and then obey whatever he tells you. It's that simple. It's just walking, talking, laughing, crying, living with Jesus. And one day we'll be with him face to face. But now by faith, we walk with him. And the spirit's a real thing. The soul's a real thing. It's not some made up, thing we're trying to hope is there. You know this is spirit and his spirit will speak to your spirit. Let us now walk in obedience, all of us. And Lord, thank you for this beautiful, powerful spirit here tonight. We rejoice in it. Let us leave here tonight. Lord, waken us in the night with dreams, prophecies, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. And Lord, empower all of us with your spirit that we'd be witnesses because we don't know if we'll have Friday to lead people to Christ. You may rapture us all out here on Thursday and and people are looking at the workplace going, well, where is Billy? Him and a bunch of other people are gone. They never told me about Jesus. A rapture? I've never heard about it. Please, Lord, let us open our mouth wide and you fill it. Don't let us sin and keep our mouth shut. There's people around us that don't know you and it's to our shame they don't know you. You're not condemning us here tonight. You're just provoking us to love and good works. Provoke us now to open our mouths wide and to be the light like a city on the hill, the salt of the earth. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. And I want you guys to stand. And before you go, I want you to give, not your family, maybe some of you don't even know, three giant bear hugs and tell them the Lord's coming back. Be ready. And if you receive the Lord tonight or you need prayer, come forward. I'd love to pray with you. Three giant bear hugs and you're free to go. God bless you. Bye-bye. <laughs>